The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. Each week, the Pet Buzz provides the latest news and information on how to keep your pets healthy and happy so you can save money and have a fulfilling relationship together. Now, here's your Pet Buzz hosts, Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Greetings, greetings, greetings from the Pet Buzz Studios. We're so happy to be here. It's a new year and we're still in January. You're still always looking forward to new things that are coming your way. Right, Dr. Flood? A new year, new things. Yeah. And I think now in the beginning, you know, really in the first week of the month, you know, people used to in past years always talk about resolutions and all the things that they want to do. But I think now people are kind of like getting into the year now. It's kind of happening. Yeah. Yeah, they're slowly, moving, they're moving into it. They're moving into it. But, you know, I want to start out this show uh, by honoring Betty White because, you know, she died. Absolutely. She died recently. And, um, you know, she would have been 100 this Monday. Yep. I wish she would have made it to 100. You know, while we think of her, I think, as a golden girl, she was one of the true and beloved animal ambassadors of this country. Absolutely. Not only for dogs, because I know she was uh, she worked with Golden Retrievers. She also worked with the L.A. Zoo Mm -hmm. and brought an awareness to not only the animals at the zoo, but the people who worked and the hours and the commitment they make by working at the zoo. She's one of two people that were really involved with the animal welfare last year that passed on. Of course, we think of her and we think of Senator Bob Dole, Senator Bob Dole. Of course, we can't forget Senator Bob. Dole. So, you know, we, and it's interesting because it, that's a certain generation yes. of people who are really that's a really good point. Yeah, it's a really good. So point, we're open now for the new generation to really come forward. A new, new voices yes. of people who are who are interested in animals. You know, um, one of the things that a lot of that's being done in her memory it's not only shelters, but really it's also people. They're stepping up and participating in something called the Betty White Challenge. Yes, they are. Which involves fundraising, a fundraising campaign for a local animal rescue organization. So I think that's a great idea. But hey, it's time to get on with the show. So, Dr. Fleck, who's joining us today? Well, joining us today is Paul and Orders founder, Elissa Weimer Sentner. She's talking about how dog owners can save money by training their dogs. Mm -hmm. And since the world is changing so quickly and so many people are moving and because so many people are working from home, I'm talking about considerations you need to think about when moving with your pets, of course. Oh, every day I have it with new clients that come in that come from a different state, different environment and the changes that they just can't believe are happening. Yeah, I can I can see that. Dr. Fleck, did you know that January is walk your dog month? No, I didn't. Well, you and Fido can get off that sofa. Or I should say you and BJ <laughs> can get off that sofa, get moving and don't let these. Well, it's not sub zero temperatures, but here in Florida, it's definitely cold. Oh, yes. Uh So don't let them drag you down. You got to get that dog out. Get BJ, get BJ off the couch in between foot in between football. What are they called? Quarters? Yes. Quarters. 
Yeah. Yes. And because, you know, dogs need plenty of exercise throughout the year. And the best way to keep them active in the winter is to take them for regular walks. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see if you're going to commit to that. <laughs> what do you think? Sure. Well, you know, or you can go, I'll walk with you and, and BJ and the dog. We can walk or up and down Cortez Road. I go to the gym, you know, so I don't need to walk. But, but you need to walk, I'll the, walk dog. the dog. You need to walk we the dog. We need to do that. You really do. You need to mix it up a little bit. Absolutely. You know, I know you won't go to a local dog park, but you got to do something. I know. Well, it's good. They get a new experience by being out and seeing different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And us too. Yeah, of course. You know, we're just curious here at the Pet Buzz. We want to know where are the best cities to walk your dog? I know, because it's definitely not our town. No. So we want to ask our friend Jeff Herman, the editor-in-chief at the Lawn Starter blog. Let's ask him where yeah. the best cities are, okay? And, and I, I'm sure he's going to give us the answer. Jeff, welcome back to the Pet Buzz. Glad to be here. Good day. So, Jeff, y'all at Lawn Starter just conducted this dog walking city survey. So what makes a good dog walking city? Because I can tell you right now, we don't live in one. What's most important is walkability and pup friendly trails, dog parks to walk to, safety and services. And when I talk about park friendly tails, pup friendly tails, that's water fountains for people and for pups and doggy bags and mutt mitts. You'll want to be able to walk with your dog and be able to pick everything up and also have refreshment for your dog along the way. That's good because we don't have any of those things here in Bradenton. We got some Bray Park. We do. Are there duty bag holders? Yes. Are there? There are. Yes. He's just talking about like walking in general. I know. I mean, even here, like the dog beach, you can't really walk your dog on the dog beach because it's really not safe. No. The cars go by too quickly. No. And a lot of people get attacked there. And I would also think, and Jeff, let me know if I'm right. I would think having good lighting on some of the city streets where people are known to walk their dog, it would be a safety issue, right? Absolutely. You want to walk where you feel safe because you want to walk with your dog where your dog feels safe. So you both want to be safe. You don't want to be walking in the middle of the night someplace where it's just a sketchy neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, even 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 in my little neighborhood, which is kind of shut off. I mean, I don't it's a it's like a it's like a it's not like an HOA or anything, but it's kind of just cut off from a lot of traffic and the route that I walk my dog on and the streets are kind of small, that little cul-de-sac and then some for six months, the lights been off. The public lighting's been off on 19th street mm -hmm. and nobody on the street called. I'm the only person who calls. I just called last week because the lights not on because I walk my dogs at like five o'clock in the morning and like seven o'clock at night. Yeah. And then during the day they go in the backyard. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing too, because there's a perception that, and, and I guess it's a real existence. And that is in the larger cities, there's been a lot of crime. Mm -hmm. And so if you are walking your dog, maybe that's even more safe for the person. Yeah, I think for the two of them. OK, you had a question for Jeff. How did you determine what cities were the best and the worst and how many cities were in the survey and can name the top three of the best and the bottom three of the worst? What we looked at were metrics, including the walk score for each city, the environmental factors, um, the best dog parking cities ranking, the number of dog friendly trails, services, dog walkers per 100,000 residents, uh, the average dog walker rate and safety, the pedestrian fatalities per 100,000 residents and the crime index. Mm. And 
for the top five, those cities are Portland, Oregon, San Francisco. Oakland is at number three. Number four is Las Vegas. And number five is Boise. The bottom five are worst, Jackson, Mississippi, Wichita, Kansas, Port St. Lucie, Garland, Texas, and Memphis. Okay, so we got to ask Brad, our audio producer, if Port St. Lucie is a bad dog walking city. <laughs> but I'm actually surprised. I'm by totally some of surprised those. by what I you're mean, like, indicating. I mean, Oregon. Okay, I can maybe. See, I've never been to Oregon, but maybe I can see that everyone wants to get outside. And what's number two, Jeff? Oakland? San Francisco, San Francisco, and Oakland are number two and three. So they're kind of grouped together, I think. But San Francisco, there's just so many walkability. That's where San Francisco does really well. Which is interesting because it's hard to find housing if you have a dog in San Francisco. In Oakland, isn't the crime rate really high there? It's actually less than it was years ago. We have a misperception about Oakland. But yes, it's uh, it's spending, I guess, getting a lot of its benefits from the San Francisco metro area. Okay. Plus, probably because you can't find dog housing, maybe more people are moving to Oakland so they can still be near San Francisco. And then you said Boise? Yes, Boise, oddly enough, Boise has more dog parks per 100,000 residents than any place else in this country. So that's where Boise does really well, and that's what brings them to the leader of the pack. Plus, they're just growing so fast that they're making amenities for dogs part of their, I guess, their welcome package for new residents. And I'm surprised New York didn't make the top list. I mean, we don't have as many. We have dog parks in their pack, but people love to walk around New York with their dog. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Okay. This well, is really interesting. Well, Jeff, we need to take a commercial break. Can you stick around? Cause we've got a lot more questions, especially about safety. Absolutely. I'll be here. Okay. <laughs> you are listening to the pet buzz with pet trendologist, Charlotte Reed and veterinarian, Dr. Michael Fleck. Ever wonder what goes on inside the Pet Buzz studio? We post full length video versions of all of our guests on our YouTube channel. What would you do with two and a half more years with your dog? Two and a half more years of fetch, of walks, of love. Studies show that overweight dogs live two and a half years less on average than dogs at a healthy weight. But Slim Paws is here to help. Veterinarian recommended weight loss in one daily chew for your dog. Slim Paws, for the long, healthy life of your dog. Online at TevraPet.com. That's T-E-V-R-A Pet.com. Tevra Pet and Slim Paws, proud supporters of the Pet Buzz. Hey, it's Dr. Mike Fleck back with you here on the Pet Buzz. With the popular movement to save our environment, our precious beef, and especially our barbecued steaks, may be in line for extinction. According to current biology, cows don't make an effort to restrict their urine to any one particular place. The article also confirms that cow's pee is a greenhouse gas, maybe 300 times more potent than carbon monoxide and 10 times more than methane. So University of Auckland in New Zealand to the rescue. They taught cows to be potty trained and use a latrine instead of the pasture. So in the future, mobile toilets in the pasture might become as visible as windmills. Contain the pee, neutralize the greenhouse gas, and hooray, we keep our stinks. Sure, I'm a little rough and tough. Somebody's got to me. I like the outdoors. Camping, boating, riding in your truck with my head out the window. Yeah, I'll poop outside. Doesn't everyone? 
A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Okay, so we're back with Jeff Herman, the editor-in-chief of the Lawn Starter blog. You've Jeff's been on the show numerous times. We love these lawn starter surveys. They talk about cats and dogs and all of our pet owner concerns. So we started to talk about safety because it's a big concern. I think more so since Lady Gaga's dog got kidnapped and dog napping is on the rise. You know, and it's so interesting because in past years, it was because people left their dog you know, in their yard while they went in to go answer the phone or something or or turn the, the meal off, the dinner meal or something. But now, and you don't have to be a celebrity, you know, and get your dog walker shot by Lady, like, like Lady Gaga's situation. But now they're walking up to people on the street <laughs> and stealing their dogs. So talk about the safest cities and what makes those cities safe. What we looked at, there's no database of dog napping. So sure. there wasn't anything to go with there, but we went for pedestrian fatalities per 100,000 residents and then just the crime index. Okay. Because if you're safe, then your dog is most likely to be safe. And tied for number one were five cities, Frisco, Texas, Glendale, California, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Irvine, California, and Sunnyvale, California. The least safe, the most dangerous would be Fort Lauderdale, Albuquerque, Tucson, Macon, Georgia, and Orlando, Florida. Wow. I don't know. I guess that's kind of compatible with that. Have you noticed like they're either from the West or they're from like the South, kind of a little few from the Midwest. That's why it's so good when you talk about the best cities to to take your dogs out to walk, that they offer more for for the for for the opportunities for what you can do for walking with your pet, because the streets here, for example, and in Bradenton, Sarasota, Florida, where we're at, uh, there's there's very few bike routes and there's very few people walking routes. There's very few. I mean, I live in a neighborhood so many with, streets no with no sidewalks. Right. right. I mean, I live in a, 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 a city. Yeah, there's no sidewalks where I live. I have to literally walk the dogs in the street. When I lived in Kalamazoo, it was pretty much the same way too. Kalamazoo Portage. It wasn't a lot of sidewalks. So. Those aren't necessarily friendly for walking sure. your, your pet. But, you know, I suppose if you can put your pet in the car and go to the park and then be at the park, that's, that's another favorable thing. But it's just like, kind of sounds silly, you know, getting in a car to go to a park instead of walking to the park. Absolutely. And you also asked about a question about services. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing to remember is that when we looked at the services, the top five cities for the most dog walkers per 100,000 residents, Orlando, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Las Vegas, and Springfield. All of those cities are hub airport cities, which is interesting because those are people who they can't have dogs because otherwise they're traveling and there are flight attendants and all those different places. You can't have a dog unless somebody is there to walk your dog. So it kind of makes sense that all of those cities are kind of service-oriented um, cities because of hub airports. The last one was Springfield, Missouri. That's entertainment capital. So you've got a lot of people who are always at shows. So again, you need some people to walk your dog. So it makes sense. The cities that have the fewest uh, dog walkers per 100,000 at St. Paul, Minnesota, 
New York, New York, that's such a big city. So you don't have as many dog walkers per 100,000 residents as you would expect in a smaller city. Um, Port St. Lucie again, Fremont, California, and Winston-Salem, North Carolina. But I found it really cool that those cities that have the most dog walkers are the ones that are cities where people are always on the go. So they do need people to help care for their dogs. Wow. You see that. I, but, you know, like New York, I mean, I made a living for years owning a, do- a huge dog walking service. Yeah, but it's per, per what'd you say, per thousand? Per 100,000 residents. 100,000 residents. So I guess and in the scheme of things. And you also have a lot of people in, in a city like New York and probably Chicago and Boston who might be act- like in New York. There are a lot of actors mm-hmm. and a lot of retired folks who maybe you know, I hate to say it, maybe didn't declare that income. So they never said dog walking, <laughs> you know, on their tax return. But I mean, New York, there's a lot of rich people who need <laughs> dog help, whether they're home or not. Oh, no, they all moved down here, Florida. Well, now they are. But like we said, it's like, you know, it's it's hard sometimes. I think we're in a new phase of our lives. Right, Jeff, where we have to look to the past and see how and keep seeing how it's changing. Yeah, it'll, really? be, interesting. it'll be interesting to see what your survey shows. Five years from now. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's the next survey? What's the next uh, survey coming up? Gosh, the next survey is the cheese lovers. And I think that comes out. It's actually on preview on my other screen right now. And that's the best city for cheese lovers. So it's not a dog story. It's not a cat story, but it's one of those stories. We have a strong connection to dog stories, though, because if you walk your dog, you have fewer of those yellow patches showing up in your yard because you're doing your dog is doing his business on somebody else's yard and somebody else's sidewalk or, you know, at the dog park. So, you know, we're we can help you with your yellow spots in your yard or dog friendly landscaping. But more than anything else, dog walking is important because it keeps your yard a little bit free of all of that other stuff that your dog would be doing. I want to make one more comment because it's so apropos. So, Jeff. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I'm a master gardener and I just did a presentation for a hundred people about dogscaping. And I was one of the things I talked about the best grass. And I talked about urine and feces destroying your yard and how to prevent it. Need to put some of that info on our website. And that was actually one of the things I said, you know, really, you're not going to walk around with a water can all the time and that, you know, female dogs ruin yards probably more condensed in one spot because that's where the concentration of urine is. But one of the best ways to save your lawn is to walk your dog more. So we've come full circle, right? We've come full circle in this. What? You know, that was fun and it was interesting. I think the most interesting interviews are when you're actually start thinking about what either what's going on around you and how it relates to you, or it's an activity that you're actually engaged in. And you kind of think about, I mean, who, you know, you start thinking about dog walking, you know, but then when you start thinking about safety and how people are moving and like Jeff said, the airport cities and the hubs and service providers. Yeah. And also thinking about um, the opportunity to be able to take your pet safely and walk an area is important because for our area, when we don't have sidewalks and that the only time you really can walk your dog is early in the morning, later at night when the traffic isn't nearly as bad. Sure. As well as the sun, Florida. Yeah. I mean, and the heat, absolutely. Humidity, et cetera. But, but it, uh, time of the day. I mean, if you were in New York, you could walk your dog 
in spring and fall anytime, I would suspect. Yeah. I mean, now a lot of times, I mean, you still walk your dog around like daylight savings time when the time difference changes. I mean, these are things that you have to think about. I mean, I walk my dog at five o'clock. My friend Annie thinks I'm crazy, but I don't leave that little turnabout that I do every single day. I mean, I have later on in the day, but then sometimes I run into loose dogs. Well, the other thing we should probably remind people, too, is that if you're walking a German Shepherd or you're walking a Rottweiler, it's reasonably safe for yourself. But walking smaller dogs, you definitely want to take something to protect you and your pets from any loose dogs dogs or somebody that may want to infringe upon your pet. Yeah, well, you know what? Last news point. I actually just got a feature story for Dogster. I'm writing a story about dog napping. Oh, good. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about that on the street safety activity. So I might have to quote you on that, Jeff. Okay. You'll be available. Absolutely. I'm here. Okay. I'm on a list for you. I guess. You could say. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's great. Hey, tell us uh, what your website is. It's lawnstarter.com. You are listening to the pet buzz with pet trendologist, Charlotte Reed and veterinarian, Dr. Michael Fleck. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. www.epi-pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Brace yourselves for big news. We're going to the place where all the action is. It's time for Pet Buzz Celebrity Pet News. The most sensational news. Fantastic. I'm so excited. You you, you ready? Here's pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. Everybody loves a hero. And Leonardo DiCaprio is really a hero we all have learned to love over the years, especially with those reruns of Titanic still playing. I got to tell you. He was willing to risk his health to save his dog. So during a speaking engagement for Entertainment Weekly's round table for the new film, Don't Look Up, the actor admitted that he jumped into frigid water to save his huskies, Jack and Jill, while filming the Netflix movie on the day the dogs visited the set. He detailed the pet rescue by saying in this sit down with other co-stars of the movie, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Tyler Perry, Jonah Hill, and uh, the film's director. Basically, he said they both fell in a frozen lake. And he didn't understand why would they go in a frozen lake? I mean, what do you do in a frozen lake? Of course, Jennifer Lawrence jumped in as only she can do. And she added her version of the story. She said one of the dogs fell in and then DiCaprio jumped into the frozen lake to save the dog. But as soon as he pushed the one dog out of the pond, the other dog jumped in. DiCaprio elaborated on what unfolded after he and his two canines found themselves in the chilly lake. Well, the other one started licking the one that was drowning. And then we were all frozen in the lake together. So really, I mean, it's a crazy, crazy story. And he said, adding that the incident was especially shocking to his pups, which are used to the warmer waters of Southern California. And, you know, really, one of the reasons I wanted to highlight this story is because this time of the year, we always read stories that a dog is off leash, which I'm sure DiCaprio's dogs were off leash. 
and they either go out on the ice or and fall into the water. And then, of course, either a pet owner has to go in and save their dog or they have to call emergency medical services like the fire department a lot of times does these uh, canine lake rescues. But you're also putting those uh, emergency workers in danger. So once again, I want to remind you, if you're walking by a body of water, make sure your dog is on a leash. Don't let him go out on the frozen ice because you don't know how frozen it is. Have your cell phone with you and call um, 911. Call emergency services and report it. And actually, after your dog's safe, make sure to thank that emergency service worker. Really important. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction. Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. Dr. Fleck, what are you going to talk about today? We're going to talk about with this trend of people moving from different parts of the country to another part of the country, mostly moving from the northeast to the south, like to Texas, Florida, North Carolina. And that's Tennessee. really precipitated by the fact that with COVID, a lot of people are working from home now. You don't necessarily have to live where you work, right? Absolutely. You don't have to live where you work. But the interesting thing is, is that I'm, I'm getting calls every day with new clients that come in that have just moved here with disease maladies that they haven't experienced before. And it's because, and let's think about it, probably up in, 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 in Manhattan today, it's 10 degrees. And here in- With Bra- snow on the ground. With snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. Here in Bradenton, Sarasota, it's 70 degrees. Really cold. Really cold but 65, for us. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible for us. But they come in and all of a sudden they're coming because they have skin issues. Skin issues, of course, is the number one issue of all pets medically that they'll experience. Number one. Yeah. But you don't necessarily experience that in the northern part of the United States, except maybe more so during the spring, summer or fall. Sure. And it's minimally when there. You can, have, you can have allergies, for example. But why? That's exactly right. And that's why we have more down here. So consequently, as they move from the north to the south and they, they just don't understand why their pet is scratching so much? Why is it licking its paws? Why is it just keeping them up at night that they hadn't ever done that where they where they came from up okay. north? So one of the things that I guess you're saying is that before you move to a new environment, you really have to check it out and find out what particular problems could exist in this environment. And I mean, I'm going to use myself as an example. OK, and then I'll talk about the dogs. So for me, I never had contact allergies before. So now I have contact allergies. Uh, I could touch a doorknob and my hand burns. That's good. I'm glad you're explaining what that is. Contact means touching something. Right. So touching something. And a lot of that has to do with, for example, the weather here. It's so hot and humid that a lot of bacteria doesn't die. And a lot of debris is in the air. And then I didn't know this until we, you and I talked about this. You made me totally aware of this. They do a lot of the flea and tick testing on products here. All of it is done here in it's Florida. It's done here in Florida because we have such a big problem with ticks. And I mean, fleas, I'm sorry, not so much ticks, but fleas, right? Yes. Well, we have problems with ticks down here, too, in certain parts of the state. But and it's really important because what may have worked in Massachusetts mm-hmm. may not be as effective here in Florida. So one of the first things you should probably do is, you know, you're trying to learn all the new ambience of the of where you're moving to. 
why not make an appointment with your veterinarian to find out or your new veterinarian with your new veterinarian in your in where you've moved right and and find out about the climate what what it is that's necessary that might be different than to treat to care for your pet with preventative care in particular here versus where you came from sure so lots of times uh, we find that many of the fleas for example that are existing in in new york wisconsin or michigan haven't really changed that much in their species but here in florida they did change a lot sure and products that were used very effectively 10 and 15 years ago right. that are still effective there right. may not be as effective here. So that's the first thing you got to think about is parasites. And don't also for, for don't forget this too. They got plenty of snow on the ground, like you're saying, they got plenty of ice, etc. So that really kills a lot of in the ground, any of the parasites that might be in the ground. But down here, they don't die. So lots of times they can have parasites like roundworms and hookworms that normally don't affect adult dogs up there. Down here, they've done testing to show that maybe six to eight percent of all the canines have roundworms and or hookworms. Yeah. And, down we, here. and we just talked about that a few months ago, if you can recall, and how the medication is just it's harder to control that. And like you said, medication up north might not necessarily work in the south. The other thing I can think of, considering we live, you know, where we are now, the studio is probably three miles from the beach. Sand flies is a problem here. Yes. Okay. I mean, I went fishing, took the dog, and the dog and I were both fighting the sand flies just on the beach while we were doing some wade fishing. So, I mean, that was another thing. I was like slapping my leg constantly. I said, okay, this isn't a good spot. I need to go. I need to go somewhere else. So, so parasites for both the skin and the GI tract sure. can be different if you're moving from a cold weather state to a warm weather sure. state like Florida. The, the, the second thing that is really important for people to recognize, and they don't understand how the behavior of their pet, how its energy is maybe depleted some, but coming here to Florida, for example, is hot and it's humid. And we have a lot, as we talk about a lot in the air, I always encourage everybody to get an air purifier. Okay. That's not only good for the pet, but it's good for them also. Sure. The, the second thing is, is that you got to understand, and, and I'm going to ask you to talk about this because you're a dog walker all the time. When do you walk your dogs in Florida? I walk my dogs as early in the morning as possible. I do not. I mean, now that it's cool, I mean, cool. It's like 70 degrees. Freezing, I mean, freezing, for us. freezing yes, for us. Yes. It's 60 and 70 degrees. I now I walk them during the day uh, around noon or one o'clock because it's still cool out. It's getting warmer. So, I mean, you know what I wear at five o'clock in the morning is not, you know, I, I wear Uggs at five o'clock in the morning when I walk my because my feet are cold and I usually wear a coat. Now, maybe when I walk my dogs at noon, I'll just have a sweater on. And I generally walk them again after, you know, dinner in the early evening between 630 and seven. But here's the thing in the summertime. I don't walk my dogs at midday. It is too hot and I discourage and too humid and too humid. And I discourage people from doing it because a lot of times I will see little, you know, people probably move down here or older people walking their dog. It's too hot for them. If it's too hot for them and too humid for them, it's way too humid for your dog, especially since the dog's on the ground and getting that heat from the ground. Absolutely. Too. Wonderful thing to say. Any more comments, Dr. Flex? That's all the Flex fact for the week. Okay. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. 
Hey, I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. Did you know that humans can give COVID to their dogs and cats? I got the shots to protect myself, others, and my dogs, Morrow, Wally, Hammy, and Church, as well as my cat, Hayden. My pets are my family, and I want to keep them safe. I encourage you to get the COVID-19 shot and the boosters. Welcome back to the Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz, enhancing the bond between pets and their people. That's the way it has to be, because that's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. I like it. It's to die for. I like it. You know, I love the I like you. I always love talking about things that I like that I come across. Well, I have a question for you. Have you looked at your pet lately? Does he have that hourglass figure or does he have a figure that kind of resembles a sausage just round all over? If he's round all over like my hammy, he's overweight or maybe even obese and you need to do something about it. Overweight or obese pets can suffer from the same problems that overweight people do, such as diabetes, joint problems, respiratory issues, or even cardiovascular problems. Yeah, sounds absolutely daunting. Putting your pet on a diet doesn't have to be hard. It can be easy with Slim Paws. Slim Paws is a safe fat-fighting blend with natural ingredients like blueberries, but there's also vitamin B6 and leucine. All these ingredients help regulate energy and fat metabolism. And here's the best part. Slim Paws has been clinically tested and proven by a leading university that pets can lose weight on this program. All you have to do is give your pet a heart-shaped chew twice a day and really keep them moving with a little exercise. And you know what? In 90 days, he or she can lose about 20% of his body weight or her body weight if you follow the program. So take the 90-day Slim Paw Challenge with me and my dog, Hammy, and share your health and exercise ideas with us so we can all have healthier and happier dogs. So a recent Fidelity investment survey revealed that Americans are worried about inflation, unplanned bills, and the impact of the pandemic economy. But there are so many ways to save money. We just have to put our thinking caps on and figure out what those are. So for example, our next guest is going to tell us how getting your dog trained can actually save you money. I know that might seem hard to believe, but it's possible. It's truly possible. Hmm. I can't wait for this one. So joining us to talk about how to save money with trained dog is Paw and Order founder, Elissa Weimer Sentner. Elissa, uh, welcome back to the Pet Thank Buzz. you. Thank we're, you for having me. We're excited about this conversation. Okay, so let's start off with some basics. So tell us why it's important to train your dog, because I think before we need to save money, we need to know why it's important to have our dogs trained. Yeah, it is very, very important. Training, it's essential when you get a new dog or an existing dog, just to build their confidence, your confidence. You can provide mental stimulation and you can really strengthen the bond between you and your dog in general. Yeah, I think that's true. Mm -hmm. Dog And, you know, classes or even, you know, I know during the pandemic, a lot of people weren't able to take classes, but they could go online. A lot of trainers were training online and they're also books, great books. You can always buy books, buy used dog training books off of Amazon, right? 
Yeah, I actually have the amount of the amount of dog training books that I even have as, as a dog trainer. I'm constantly anytime I see a book, I get it. I read it because you can never stop learning. And even with my own dogs as a professional trainer, you can never stop learning new things. I agree with that one. Well, we're going to find out more, yeah. aren't we? You know, so so many people did get dogs during the pandemic, of course, and many of these dogs were adolescents and given up for a variety of reasons that their new owners just didn't know about. Yeah, that's true. So those are the, the adoptable dogs, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Additionally, with the holidays, of course, many dog owners got new puppies or they adopted dogs. Mm-hmm. How can training save us money when these two distinct groups of dogs were purchased or adopted? This is a really good question. And a lot of things that I'm going to say, people overlook. We feel really good about adopting a dog from the shelter. But one thing I need everybody to remember is that we don't know that dog's history. So then the shelter doesn't necessarily know that dog's history fully. So when you get the dog, it might have some anxiety issues that can come out with chewing or not being able to be left alone. So you go to leave and the dog destroys your entire house. Dog training can save you a ton of money in that aspect because we are cheaper than you buying a ton of shoes again or couch. I get a lot of clients that call me showing me pictures of their house just completely torn apart by this dog. And they feel bad because the dog is anxious because they're left alone, but they have to go to work and they don't know how to handle it. Puppies, they chew, you know, they're, they're teething. And a lot of people don't know how to handle that. And your dog trainer can teach you how to do these different exercises and to train your dog and you so that your dog can be successful in your home and save you a ton of money and heartache that can come along with it. Chewing your dining room table, your shoes, going through leashes. A lot of times people come with their puppies and their dogs are chewing straight through leashes and they go through them over and over again or harnesses or they break out of a crate and if you're using a crate and it can be very destructive to your home. You know, the other good thing too about dog training is a dog trainer can help you per- and give you advice about the most appropriate toys because a lot of people buy the wrong toys, right? Yeah. Yes. I've actually, there's even some toys that are, are, they say they're safe to be left alone, but they're not. One of my trainers had a Kong. It was just a little Kong and it chewed the top off and had to have a major surgery. So different bones, they're, sa- they're safer versions of bones to chew on. Uh, we have a raw bone versus a cooked bone or different plastic toys. And some are not safe for dogs, but they're advertised as safe. And your dog trainer can help you pick those different toys for teething as well. That's going to best fit your puppy or your new dog. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's really important. Okay. So let's, you know, one of the things I know Americans are really concerned about this time are these unexpected expenses. So let's start out with talking about some unexpected canine expenses resulting from un, untrained dogs. One of the things I see happen a lot with, with first adopted dogs or puppies is people think that their dog would never get loose or pull on the leash so hard that they lose the leash. And things that can happen after that, let's say they just escape out of the house. They can get hit by a car. That's a huge medical expense. Or they go after another dog or they're too friendly with other dogs. Let's say you take your dog to a dog park and you know, I think my dog is very friendly. Your dog might be friendly, but really rude and pushes another dog's button to the point where now you have a dog fight. 
And you breaking up that dog fight could cause injuries to you or another person or that dog. Now you're paying medical bills for a human or humans and a dog or other dogs. And you can have major lawsuits that could come upon that. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But even pulling on the leash, I've had, I had a client call me because the dog pulled her so hard that she landed on her face, broke her glasses, and the dog dragged her because she didn't let go of the leash. So her face was all, she broke her nose, face was all brush burned, and the dog got loose and ran away. Dog didn't get hit by a car that time. But ultimately, I hear that all the time. Growing up, I've had, it's a shame to admit it, I was just a kid, but we had lots of dogs that just would get out and go get hit by a car. And oh, it's so I, sad. I don't think you should be ashamed to admit that. I think that's par for the course. And I think it's part of your experience when you talk to not only our listeners, but, you know, your own clients, because, you know, for example, I mean, uh, my cat got out and was gone for like four or five days. Even them getting out, the cat gets out. Maybe he was gone for even longer or your dog gets out and is, is gone for weeks. You sure. finally get them back. They're emaciated. Their coats is bad. They're hurt. And then that's going to cause those extra vet bills that you were not planning for when you originally got this dog. I mean, finding a good dog trainer, it's, it's a, I, in my experience, has always been a hard thing. And I think you don't necessarily want to settle on that first person. You want to find that, that person who really speaks to you and can walk you through the steps because ultimately board and trains imp is, is important because one of my good friends does board and train, but the fact that can show you can do that translation when the dog gets home, that's the most important, but hold that thought because we need to take a commercial break we do. and have our guests come back. You can stick around and answer more questions about how to save money with dog training. Can't you? Yeah, absolutely. Introducing the new PetBuzz.com website. ThePetBuzz.com. It's got a whole new look. More graphics, great pet pics, video versions of our guest interviews, more of Charlotte and Dr. Fleck, and ways for you to save money. ThePetBuzz.com. It's a whole new look. ThePetBuzz.com. What would you do with two and a half more years with your dog? Two and a half more years of fetch, of walks, of love. Studies show that overweight dogs live two and a half years less on average than dogs at a healthy weight. But Slim Paws is here to help. Veterinarian recommended weight loss in one daily chew for your dog. Slim Paws for the long, healthy life of your dog. Online at TevraPet.com. That's T-E-V-R-A Pet.com. Tevra Pet and Slim Paws. Proud supporters of the Pet Buzz. You're likely listening to this at home, in your car, or somewhere warm. How would you feel if you were left in the bitter cold all night long, chained up? Please, take your dogs inside. Your dog is not going to be smarter or tougher because you made him suffer. Your dog is your partner. Treat him like a partner. If you're not respecting your animals, you're not respecting yourself. Do not leave your animal out in the cold. Please visit PETA to learn more. <laughs> We're back with Elisa talking about dog training and saving money. And I think that's really, really important. So I think you were you had a question, Dr. Fleck, that you were going to ask. Our yes. And it really relates to what we've already been talking about with 
the aggressive dog or the jumping dog. And, and I need to point out that I practice here in Brinkton, Sarasota area, but I also have a practice in, in Miami. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of bilingual people, I should say multilingual, especially down in, in Miami that come in. And, and a lot of the families that from that ethnic group have a lot of family involvement where they bring their kids in all the time along with the pet. And I can see how the behavior of the pet works with not only the parent, but also the rest of the kids in the family. One of the biggest problems that a lot of kids have, as well as adults, are dealing with jumping dogs mm -hmm. and dogs that are aggressive. I mean, you mentioned earlier on in the show, a Rottweiler. Mm -hmm. OK, so that could it could be not necessarily is, but it could be more of a, let's say, an aggressive or more of a protective dog. Or we have that new puppy or that new adoptee who gets really excited when the doorbell rings, runs to the door and wants to jump on everybody. Right. Yes, so, absolutely. So talk a little bit about that in terms of saving money. So even if your dog's not aggressive, let's just go with those playful dogs. When you have guests come over, so many dogs want to jump up because it's going to get them attention, the attention that they want. And you have your family come in and everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people are like, it's fine. He's just a puppy or he's new. He's just being friendly. That's really not okay. Because that one time he knocks down that kid, that kid, could, that child could get hurt uh, or grandma comes in. Now grandma's knocked down or scratched. I've had people where I've come in and the dog's dog is not leashed and they jump up and they rip my pants or they scratch my arm or they grab my bag or grabbing my stuff. That's very stressful, first of all, but them falling down and getting hurt could cause a lot of injuries, which lead to medical bills again, which lead, could lead to lawsuits. Even if it's family, people sue family all the time or your friends. You get an aggressive dog and you think, oh, he's just being protective of the family, but he doesn't have a reason to to go after your family members. You know, there's a fine line here of like you protecting the house from somebody breaking in and trying to hurt us and just your friendly guests coming through the door. And not everybody's going to knock and wait for you to come in. I know my family's just like, hey, I'm here. Open the door. If your dog doesn't know how to respond to that and they can hurt somebody, either, you know, they're meaning to hurt them or not. It doesn't matter. It's going to cause a lot of a lot of expenses that you don't want to have to pay for or even hurt feelings or your family members won't even come over because your dog is acting like a butthead. A lot of people who get injured with these dogs that are jumping or aggressive, they're bicyclists and they're older people who are walking. I'm also thinking in terms of the elderly that, that come in and don't forget their skin is thinner now. Sure. And they're all on anticoagulants. And that that little scratch produces blood. Sure. They, I mean, they'll come into the exam office and the dog is excited and and trying to get the pet up on the table, the exam table to start doing things. Then the people come close and, and the pet wants to just pay attention to them and, and start scratching. And all of a sudden they've got scratches on them and they may be bleeding some. Sure. And then they get bruises from that. Yeah. So it's yeah. real important, particularly I'm thinking of and sensitive about, about the baby boomers, et cetera, that have the pets that they love those pets, such a big part of their, their life. They can't be a detriment to their life, too. Right. I think it, people always think it doesn't happen to me. Well, it's I'm not going to happen to me. I'm really seeing how important this person is as a guest on our show. Yeah. Yeah, really. No, it's um, 
yeah, I mean, I think especially now when people are thinking about saving money, but we I think we always tend to think it's not going to happen to me. My dog is so adorable. He's practically I've heard it. So I'm sure you've heard it, too. My dog is practically human. I mean, he acts like a human. He just sits there till you do his nails. Until, you know what I mean? And you just think, oh, my goodness, like you never think about how much, you know, it's one thing if for a, if, even if your dog chewed up a pair of Jimmy Choo shoes. OK, so maybe yeah. 500 to like two or three thousand dollars for a pair of shoes. Well, wait, that's Jimmy <laughs> Choo. I mean, that could be Chanel pair of shoes, oh. right? Or Robert oh. Leger pair I'm, of shoes. I'm not familiar with those. No, things. of course not. But that's OK. You know, I mean, even you could have an expensive pair of kicks, right? That are cost like a thousand bucks. Those thousand are, bucks. That's like a pair of cool sneakers designed by an artist in conjunction with Nike or Converse or something. But Whew. it can happen. It can happen to you. It could happen to your neighbor. It could happen to your brother, your sister. It could happen to your parents who just adopted a dog because they 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 miss you and your brother so much. Not they want something a little easier to deal with. Right. But I, I, I think this is a great conversation. So, you know, before you go, give us another example of how we can save some money that like that's mm-hmm. not like, you know, attacking or like dealing with some lawsuits or something. Absolutely. So one thing that gets overlooked that you don't really think of is your homeowner's insurance will offer discounts if you have a trained dog. For example, the American uh, Kennel Club, AKC, has a Canine Good Citizen certificate and a course that you can go through to get that. And that looks really good for different condos and apartments. Uh, so look into that. Get get your dog trained. Get your certificate. Save some money on your homeowner's insurance. That can be huge for you. And also, you brought up before about taking your dog to the vet or the groomer. One expense that you might not think of is there's some dogs that have to be sedated before they even go in there. That's an added expense that you have to pay your veterinarian before you even get in the door. And there's some dogs that you have to clear out everything or or schedule something, you know, so particular so the dogs aren't in the room or certain people aren't in the room. And it takes extra manpower that for that vet. So your your costs could be more expensive, just like with your groomer. Your groomer might might not even want to work with your dog if he's aggressive or too unruly to, to actually groom. And don't be surprised if your price goes up because your dog can't be handled as easily or it takes longer, which is going to cut into their profits for other customers. Huge, huge, huge. Yeah. Money, money, money. Every day, every day. So appropriate, this conversation. It really is. So, Alyssa, you know what? This was really great. Thanks for joining us today. You want to give us your website? Absolutely. My website is www.pawandorder.com and is spelled out. Ever wonder what goes on inside the Pet Buzz studio? We post full-length video versions of all of our guests on our YouTube channel. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. There's so many times we hear stories about um, abuse of animals in third world countries. But a lot of times we never think about those men and women who worked tirelessly for those dogs. And I want to dedicate this show to a woman named Angela Glover. She was uh, 50 years old. She was a citizen of the United Kingdom and she lived in Tonga. She loved Tonga and she started an animal rescue organization there called TAWS. That's Tonga Animal Welfare Society. And during her time in Tonga, 
or really during her lifetime, she always loved animals. And in Tonga, she worked with a lot of the animals, the stray animals to rehabilitate them, especially the dogs. And unfortunately, Angela died last weekend when they had the undersea volcanic eruption. She and her husband were trying to save dogs and were swept away. He was fortunate enough to grab a tree and Angela unfortunately didn't. And her and the dogs were swept away. Her body was recently found. So we want to dedicate this show to her because like I said, so many times we don't think about those workers who are living in third world countries, enduring hardships, trying to save animals. They do make an effect on the public. And we're glad to say Angela was loved in Tonga for the work that she did. So Angela, cheers to you. I'm sure you will end up over Rainbow Bridge taking care of uh, so many animals that need you. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. No, Dr. Fleck, it's always too soon to wrap the show. What? It's time? You say that all the time. It's so naive. It's so funny. I thought we were just getting started. I know because the discussions are always so good. You know what I mean? The discussions are always so good. So um, I'm going to give you a preview of next week's show. So next week, we're going to talk about bees and butterflies and how they contribute to the ecosystem. Oh, wow. Yeah, that will be interesting. I think so. I think so. I think it'll be really great. So would you thank our guest? Yeah. Special thanks to our guests, Jeff Herman and Elissa Weimer-Sentner. Of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Shampoos, skin and coat sprays, sunscreen, ear cleaner and supplements for your dogs and cats. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. If you and your pets need even more buzz, we're online at thepetbuzz.com and our social media channels, Pet Buzz Plus, the best way for you to engage with like-minded pet lovers everywhere. Putting your pet on a diet doesn't have to be hard. It can be easy with Slim Paws. Slim Paws is a safe fat-fighting blend with natural ingredients like blueberries, but there's also vitamin B6 and leucine. All these ingredients help regulate energy and fat metabolism. And here's the best part. Slim Paws has been clinically tested and proven by a leading university that pets can lose weight on this program. All you have to do is give your pet a heart-shaped chew twice a day and really keep them moving with a little exercise. And you know what? In 90 days, he or she can lose about 20% of his body weight or her body weight if you follow the program. So take the 90-day Slim Paw Challenge with me and my dog, Cammy and share your health and exercise ideas with us so we can all have healthier and happier dogs. Slim Paws is another proud supporter of the Pet Buzz.